on this episode here from Johnson County Public Health officials on COVID-19 in our community. Find out why it's more important than ever to follow safety precautions. Learn how some holiday gatherings could put you and your loved ones at risk. Get ideas on safer ways to celebrate. And if you have to travel, learn steps you could take to reduce the spread of the virus. Finally, get the latest on hospital capacity and what it means for you. Whether you live in or just love Johnson County, Kansas, JOCO On The Go has everything Johnson County. Here's what's happening and what's coming up in the community you call home. Thanks for joining us for JOCO On The Go. I'm your host, Teresa Freed, a Johnson County resident and employee of Johnson County government. We're rapidly approaching Thanksgiving and many people are on the fence. Do I go to a gathering with extended family or friends or do I stay home this year with my immediate family? COVID-19 transmission is high right now. So today we're gonna talk about the risks of gathering and holiday travel. We have with us Johnson County Department of Health and Environment Director, Dr. Sami Ariola and Director of Epidemiology, Elizabeth Holshu. Thank you both for being here today. Thank you. Thank you. All right, just to start off with, what is the current situation with COVID-19 transmission in Johnson County? The, the, the level of, of spread and the, and the rate of increase, whether we look at it daily or weekly or biweekly, is, is very high. It is the highest that it's ever been. And so the, the risk of course, then is as high as it's ever been. Um, the, all of the different measures that we use, uh, absolute counts, um, weekly counts, uh, bi-weekly counts, daily counts, positivity rate, and several other metrics, are not only uh, trending up, they are increasing exponentially. And so the, the, the message to, to the public to our resident is that the risk is pretty high. You should assume that um, everybody that you come in contact with is uh, is infected, and the chances are that um, that they are. Uh, very soon, Elizabeth with, uh, will provide some numbers in terms of what the risk is if you are in a group of ten versus if you are in a group of 15. Of course, the larger the group that you are in, the higher your risk. And, um, and that's why it's, uh, it's important now more than at any time prior to now for you to be very careful. Uh, you keep your cycle very small. You stay within, quote, unquote, your, your bubble. And uh, that doesn't change uh, even with Thanksgiving. As a matter of fact, it becomes even more important with, uh, with Thanksgiving. And I know that these are tra traditions, things that we have been used to uh, doing, times that we spend uh, with our families. But uh, we do love our families and we want them to be here next year and, and beyond. And so the, the, the decisions that we make, the sacrifice that we make this one time might just be why they're here next year. And so very, very important. I'll let Elizabeth uh, throw some numbers out there so you can get a perspective of, of the level of risk that we have. Um, so, you know, as Dr. Ariola said, the spread in Johnson County is just incredibly high right now. Um, the way I sort of approach any interactions I have is just to assume that whoever I'm interacting with likely has COVID and that's not really all that far-fetched right now based on how many people in our community have coronavirus infections currently. Um, Georgia Tech has this really great tool on their website. If you just want to Google 
Georgia Tech COVID map, you can pull it up. And what they do is they tell you based on your current level of transmission in your community by county, what's the likelihood that an individual in a group would have COVID-19. And so currently, according to the map, um, a group of 10 individuals gathering in Johnson County, there's more than a one in four chance that somebody in that group has coronavirus uh, infection currently. If that, as you go up in group size, so up to 25 individuals, that goes up to 37%, so more than a one in three chance. And if you get together with say 50 individuals in Johnson County right now, you're really looking at a four in five chance, almost 80% likelihood that somebody in that group of 50 has COVID-19. That really does give some some great perspective, you know, when you enter a restaurant or a business or, you know, you're just going to an athletic event or something like that to look around and see um, just what the possibility is there that you could get sick. So, of course, some people show no symptoms at all, but there are others that face really serious complications, including death, of course. Um, we haven't talked for a while about who's who's in those high risk groups. Can you talk about that? Um, so, um, uh, first of all, the uh, the data in terms of the more serious uh, consequences uh, tend to occur in the older population, uh, people that are uh, older than uh, 80 for the most part. But I would say that a majority of our cases are occurring in people that are younger than 70, which is about 90% of our cases, in people that are younger than 60, about um, uh, 80, 81, 88, 81, 81% of our cases. It is occurring and uh, hospitalization, uh, greater than 50% of that is occurring in people that are younger than 70. And so so age obviously is, is, is a risk factor, but also uh, other uh, predisposing factors. Um, uh, obesity is a big piece and Elizabeth again will come in and give you some numbers about when you look at the percentage of our population that are older than 70, and you look at the percentage of our population that are obese or have other chronic conditions, and the percentage of our minority population who seems to bear the biggest brunt of this, of this, of this, you will know that as a county, really a large percentage of our population have uh, uh, either uh, predisposed or at higher risk because of age, at higher risk because of obesity and other chronic conditions, at higher risk uh, because they are just persons of color. All of those uh, makes it very important for us, not just to think about ourselves, but really underscores the responsibility that we have as part of the society to take all the steps that are needed to ensure we contain the spread of this virus. Absolutely. So when we talk about really severe outcomes, so particularly death in individuals who are under the age of 60, um, really the predisposing factor that we see at the greatest rate are people who are obese or severely obese based on their BMI. And what we know from other data is that one in four Johnson County adults is classified as being obese. Um, so this is not a minor, you know, issue here. Um, and what we also can see too is that we have really healthy people who end up being hospitalized sometimes for weeks or months. Um, there's something really unique about coronavirus that can cause the immune system to over respond. So even people who are exceptionally healthy, who have great immune systems, sometimes we see really severe outcomes in them. And so I think from my perspective, what I constantly keep in my mind when I think about my own health and safety and that of my family is that we really don't understand who um, when they contract coronavirus are gonna have those really severe outcomes. It doesn't seem to discriminate 
Um, you know, some people get away with having really mild or even asymptomatic infections, and some people have this really severe illness. And it's not just what you experience at the time you get infected, but we're hearing more and more about individuals um, that are so-called long haulers, meaning that they have long-lasting effects from coronavirus, whether that's neurological or GI or heart-related conditions, even months after they recover from COVID-19. And so while some people do get away with having a very mild illness, that's not the likelihood for everybody. And we just don't know who those people are who are not going to be able to, to get it through um, an illness. So just next, um, we have high levels of transmission in the community, and I think the concern all along has been hospital capacity and being able to keep what keep up with the level of sickness in the community, not just from those who have COVID, but also others. And as we get further into the flu season, um, this this concern grows. So where are we at with hospital capacity right now? I think uh, uh, in the past uh, couple of weeks, we have had quite a bit from our, our hospital uh, CMOs and other executives. And uh, they have been as clear as uh, they possibly could be that they are uh, at capacity. Uh, some of them really uh, have uh, exceeded their capacity. And, and that's got to uh, worry us as a community. Um, um, some of them are considering uh, stopping uh, elective uh, procedures. Um, uh, again, uh, the messages have to be clear. We want people to uh, go to their doctors and seek uh, and, uh, uh, and continue the care that they need. We want people to uh, take their flu shots. But here's the thing with, uh, with flu, flu, for example, is some of the basic steps that we are taking to control and protect ourselves against COVID also will work. Uh, to protect us against flu. So there's an advantage to that. But your question more is around our hospital capacity, and that is worrisome. If hospitals get to a place where there are no beds to keep people who are sick, uh, and we run out of space in our ICUs, and uh, uh, the number of uh, available ventilators are threatened, even though we are managing these uh, conditions uh, better, that's gotta be worrisome. Now you will see data there that um, really at this time of the year, it is not unusual for the hospitals to be at near capacity. The difference though is the contribution of COVID to this and the number of the resources that COVID is, uh, is taking. And you also have to consider that um, a lot of their, of their staff are affected too. So their staff uh, test positive has to be in isolation. And, and, and staffing has been a big challenge, not just in our hospitals. It is true for our um, skilled nursing facilities, our long-term care facilities. Again, you have this level of spread in the community. It impacts everything. It is impacting our schools. And all of those things, if we don't take the steps that we need to control them immediately, we are going to get overwhelmed. Our hospitals will be overwhelmed. And what that means is not, we're not just throwing what's out there. What that means is if there are no space in hospitals, means that I get sick, uh, you get sick, then the hospital is making a decision of who is going to get treated or who's not. To put it even more bluntly, you could get to a place where they're making a decision of who is going to die and who's going to live. And that's not a place we want to keep our hospitals at. 
And it's not just an impact of COVID too. You know, what Dr. Ariel is talking about, about whether or not there's enough beds is also about car accidents or some kind of other traumatic injury or a heart attack, things that we have no control over. And there is really a, a limit as to the number of beds and the number of staff. Um, there was an article yesterday that quoted the major general, I believe, of the Kansas National Guard who said he's not, they're not entertaining the thought of field hospitals right now because the reality is, is there just aren't enough staff for those. Um, and so we have a situation of limited resources and it's not just in the Midwest, it's not just in Kansas City, it's really nationwide where all of the hospitals throughout our country are really starting to see this burden. And we only have a limited supply of nurses and doctors and respiratory therapists and all of these individuals that are really, you know, cornerstones to be able to treat patients. And the other problem too with COVID is that individuals who are hospitalized with COVID tend to be there for a really long time. You know, with influenza, typically individuals who are hospitalized are only there for a few days. A lot of times we'll see people with COVID hospitalized for weeks on end, sometimes months even, um, because their health is so poor and it takes a really long time to be able to get them to the point where they can be discharged either home or to a facility if there's even space in a facility for them. And what we know is that out of this number of cases that we're seeing in our community, a proportion of them will be hospitalized. We know that from the data. Um, and we can't stop those individuals from being hospitalized at this point. They're already infected and their disease course is already taking place. What we can do as a community is prevent future infections so that our hospitals don't become more overwhelmed. Because we normally see a lag of about 10 days to two weeks from an individual becoming ill with coronavirus and then subsequently having to be hospitalized. So we'll continue to see our, our increase in the number of hospitalizations as we go forward over the next several weeks. Um, and if people really aren't taking the precautions that we all need, know we need to do when it comes to Thanksgiving, we're gonna see even more cases, which means even more hospitalizations and a greater impact on our hospital systems. So we, we know, of course, given all of those factors that the safest place you can be this Thanksgiving is gonna be in your own home with the people uh, you, you see every morning when you wake up, the people you're living with. Um, are there any ways that people can gather safely to still be able to celebrate Thanksgiving this year? So I will say that we know that gathering outside is definitely safer than gathering inside. As of right now, the forecast for Thanksgiving Day is actually 66 degrees, so a really mild temperate Thanksgiving here in Kansas City. So if you are going to gather, I would strongly recommend that you do that outside um, and keeping distance. And I think that a lot of times when we see family, we let our guards down and we maybe hug or kiss or, you know, share food or anything like that. And what's important is that if you are going to gather with people, do it outside, but you've really got to refrain from hugging your loved ones and from kissing them on the cheeks. Um, and that's, that's really hard to do. And so I think that if you are going to gather with family, keep that, that circle small, keep it those individuals that you've been seeing, um, talk about what you all are doing to prevent infections ahead of time. Are you quarantining? Are you really staying away from really any external exposure? So, and having really in-depth conversations. It's not just, we're gonna quarantine, but what does that mean for each individual? Because their definition may vary. You know, are you going to grocery stores? Are you going to food, you know, restaurants to pick up food or to eat in? Um, and having those conversations to make sure you're really being as safe as possible. Um, eat outside, um, you know, and make sure that your seats are really six feet apart. We know transmission can happen outside. Keep your masks on as, until you really start eating um, and, and don't let your guard down. We all, you know, we love our family and our friends, but unfortunately the virus doesn't distinguish who our loved ones are. And because we have the potential to spread this disease before we have symptoms, 
um, or even if we don't ever have symptoms, you can't look at your friend or family and say, nope, you're completely fine. I'm not gonna get coronavirus from you. Um, so again, really having that attitude that everybody you come in contact with likely has COVID-19 right now um, can help if you keep that in your mind when you're around individuals that may help you keep that distance and keep your mask on and, and really do those things that we know can prevent infections. But, you know, as I said, out of a group of 10 individuals in Johnson County, there's more than a one in four chance um, that somebody has COVID-19. You know, for me personally, I'm going to choose not to see my family uh, and loved ones on Thanksgiving um, because it's really just safer. And I know that I'm out in the community. I come to work every day. I have a child who's in daycare, which means that he's exposed or has the potential to be exposed every day. So really thinking about your family situation, your own exposures, and the people that you're inviting into your circles exposures. Um, but truly the safest thing to do is really just gather with those that you live with at this time. And, and, and that's that's what we want to emphasize is that um, uh, we, we, our primary recommendation is to not change your cycle because of, um, of Thanksgiving. Um, there's uh, opportunities for phone calls and video conferencing. Uh, look, we want our loved ones to be here. We want them to, to be healthy. You know, think about it. If you gather together with 10 people, that is 10 different cycles that you're bringing together. That easily multiplies your risk by several fold because then, yeah, so this is this is 10 people from 10 different cycles that you don't really know how broad or how big their cycles are. You have no idea how careful. And even for people that are being very careful, we live this life 24 hours a day, but we also recognize that, and it's happened, that um, our risk is higher because we are out here and people do test positive. Uh, by the nature of what we do, very important for us to be to, to be careful. Now, if you choose to do that, so it's not like outside is better, no question about that. Um, uh, masking, when you are not eating or drinking, it's important. And physical distance is, is important. It's not either or, it's doing all of these things together that would ultimately reduce your risk. There's a way to drink and still mask. You take a drink, you put, put your mask back on. That's, that's you, all you really need to do is get used to that. So the fact that you are drinking doesn't mean that you shouldn't use your mask. You can drink and put your mask back on. And, and so keep those things in mind. I think our overall message is uh, this period we are, we are concerned. Uh, our levels are already high. And, and, and we think uh, with uh, people getting together over the Thanksgiving uh, period will dra dramatically increase the numbers and increase the risk but we can do something about it. I can play my part, you can play your part. And if we all do that together uh, collectively, we can reduce uh, the risk uh, to our residents and break this uh, trajectory uh, that we're currently on. And if, if people are contemplating traveling, is there a way to do that um, at least safer to, to reduce the, the risk of spread? Well, so, so the, the safest way to travel right now for me uh, would be uh, to be in my, in my private vehicle <laughs> and absolutely uh, reduce uh, interactions with people. And, uh, and, uh, and again, um, uh, there's a preference that we have in public health to not, but we also understand that there are physical, mental, emotional impact, impacts. You can lock people uh, up all the time. 
And so if you have, for example, need to stop to use the restroom, um, then you got to be careful and keep your distance, wear your mask. Uh, uh, that, that's important. But ultimately, whatever your destination is, it is it is very important for you to not enlarge your cycle inappropriately. Again, the broader your cycle is, the higher your, your, your risk is. The weather is going to be good, like Elizabeth said. Use, your, use the parks. Go for a walk. And, uh, and, and talk to people over the phone, use a Zoom or whatever it's available. And I think the uh, quote-unquote inconvenience that we experience now with the expectation that in the next few months we'll have vaccines, I think it will just benefit us uh, individually and collectively. Yeah, I, absolutely. If you're going to travel, certainly private vehicle is by far and away the best option. Um, if you're going to be staying out of town, would rec definitely recommend that you stay in a hotel um, or some kind of private residence because we know that transmission occurs at a much greater rate when you're in a household. Um, and that's because people aren't masking and they're a lot closer contact. Um, you know, something that I try and remember is that basically when it comes to coronavirus, we breathe all the air that our friends and family are breathing that we're around, right? That everybody that they come in contact with, everybody they share that airspace with and just breathe, that is a potential risk for coronavirus infection. And then you're essentially breathing their air when they come into your space. And so whatever you can do to limit sharing air, keeping your distance, wearing your mask, being outside, um, all of those things will help. But again, the risk for infection right now in Johnson County, but really throughout this country is exceptionally high. Um, you know, of all the times in our pandemic up until now, this is probably the most important time for us to stay home, stay within our circles, um, because the ramifications are severe. You know, we're talking about hospital capacity. We're talking about the potential of hospitals um, having to choose who lives and dies if there's not enough beds and not enough staff. These are not minor you know, pieces. And while I know it's been hard for everyone, it's been hard for me. Um, I haven't seen my family in almost a year. They haven't seen my son. Um, this is a single year. And if we can get through this Thanksgiving and this Christmas and get through to when vaccines are available, um, we can go back to a normal life. And what's really important is that your decisions for this holiday may make it so that one of your loved ones is not there next holiday. And so while I know it's hard and we all are tired of this pandemic, we really just need to continue to come together as a community, as a society for a little bit longer, um, you know, buckle down and we will get through this. And by next year, I have faith that we will all be able to have the Thanksgivings and Christmases and Hanukkahs and holiday celebrations that we all are desperately longing for right now. All right, that's great information, and I think we'll we'll end on that. For more information about COVID in Johnson County, go to jococov.org forward slash coronavirus. Thank you both for being with us. Thank you. You just heard Joko on the go. Join us next time for more Everything Johnson County. Have a topic you want to discuss? We want to hear from you. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at jococov. For more on this podcast, visit jococov.org forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening.